0: Let's go! Hour number two of the show. Off and running. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau Insurance across the great state of Mississippi. Available in all 82 counties. That would be Hometown Heroes, your local Farm Bureau insurance agent. Somebody you know. They're from right there where you're from. They live right down the road. You'll see them at church on Sunday. They're at the game on Friday night. Somewhere in between. That's your Hometown Hero. I'm here, Brother John is here, you're here, that's all that really matters. Y'all text me today on the Country and text line, 885-ESPN, kind of a free-for-all Friday, whatever y'all want to talk about is fine with me, 885-ESPN, 601 number, 885-3776. Give the number to call in a bit. You text me, speaking of text, John, you text me something really funny and i just saw it it was earlier today i missed it when i was setting up in here uh uh,
1: (laughs) right before the show yeah yes yeah
0: it's a screenshot of the television broadcast of the royals baseball game and sitting back behind home plate is a cutout of bernie from weekend at bernie's (laughs) 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 he's just sitting there i love it it's great (laughs) It is so great. Somebody, my buddy Brock Delaney, Brock was a long-time video coordinator for Mississippi State football. Brock ain't no telling how many bottles of sunscreen Brock Delaney used during the course of just my career as he was perched up on one of those uh, hydraulic lifts at one edge of the practice field with a camera Getting the overhead, you know, high sideline view of our 11-on-11 11 11 practice so that we could watch film the next day. Brock, as uh, he's doing other things now, but he was a great one for a long, long time. And he posted it on his Facebook page, that same screenshot that you sent me of Bernie sitting yeah. behind home plate from Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> and it says, okay, children of the 80s, will this guy ever die? <laughs> and he's right. Look, I mean... If you're a child of the 80s, you know about Weekend at Bernie's. Yeah. classic. Cult classic. Hey, you know what? I was watching the Braves the other night. I like the cutouts. I appreciate the cutouts of the fans being there. Now, yes, it's fake as all get out. But there's this slight teeny, it's like watching a movie. There's this slight teeny tiny bit of believability that helps my experience as I watch it. I've got the audio of fan noise being artificially pumped into the game. And instead of empty seats, at least there's something there to fill the void as they show me the outfield view as a pitcher throws a ball to home plate. We get a strike or a hit or a ball or whatever. You know, I kind of am to the point now where I appreciate the cutouts. <laughs> I wonder. They've
1: gotten really creative with a lot of them. You know, it's yeah. not just these mundane people that are, you know, just cardboard figures, but they've, right. they've created some personality with the cardboard.
0: Well, on the way the TV, you're right. There's They're putting different people on it. You know, the Braves did a thing where a lot of the ones they have sitting around home plate and around the dugout are season ticket holders who they could take their own picture, send it into the Braves, and the Braves would do a cutout of them for them. I thought that was pretty neat to do for your season ticket holders. And, you know, it, it, there's a kind of an emphasis on the mascots, too. The other night, well, last night, Nick Marcakis, his first game back as an Atlanta Brave after he had opted out and decided not to later change his mind, comes back, hits a solo home run, walk-off home run, bottom of the ninth for the Braves to beat the Blue Jays, broke a 3-3 to tie. He walks it off, and as they show him, they're not doing the big you know, horde of players bouncing up and down and touching each other. They're distancing. So they did the air high fives as he hit home plate. And you could see the mascot for the Braves up in the stands there waving the Atlanta Braves flag. And I so it kind of puts a little more emphasis on the mascot. I just I don't mind all of it at all. I've enjoyed uh the baseball T V product very much. I just think they've done a Heck of a job with it, well, it's like John. You said, have you watched it, the NBA yeah, stuff?
1: I have watched a little bit of the NBA. I've been watched more baseball and golf than I have anything else. Okay, golf to me is the thing that, <clears throat> you know, it was the first sport that came back, right? And uh, I, I just, I was watching yesterday evening the uh, PGA, and I just thought, you know, when these golfers are hitting these wayward shots, how they wish people were still there watching so the ball would not go so far in the rough that it might just hit somebody on the old uh cranium and bounce back toward the fairway. You know, but they're not getting those bounces of the of the fans being on the on the sides of the fairway in the rough. Yeah. So but yeah, yeah. I, I I watched a little bit of uh the Clippers and the uh Mavericks last night. The Clippers okay. the Clippers look really tough to me. I just uh mm. I'm just not sure anybody other than maybe the Lakers in the West can handle them. Really? Yeah, and I'm not a Laker fan either. Yeah. I'm not a LeBron fan, I guess I should say. Uh-huh. But that's a whole I other watched topic.
0: Any <laughs> yeah, right. That's a different, different show. No, I haven't watched any of the NBA stuff, and, and I would have. You know, I, I was serious when I said if, if baseball doesn't come back and the NBA does then hats off the NBA, I'm going to watch every bit of it. Well, once baseball got back, I've been able to get back in my normal summer routine, and that is, I turn the game on in the evenings, and it's I watch it, but it's also background for a lot of the stuff I'm doing around the house.
1: <laughs> well, it's that's the thing stare. with baseball. You can, you can turn the game on in the first inning and leave it on through the end of the game, and you can come back and check in at different points, and you're not really missing a whole lot.
0: That's it. You're not really missing. And now with the advent of being able to watch games on your phone, you don't have to sit and watch it. Mm-mm. You can kind of just take it with you wherever you go. Yeah, so it's. I have a friend who worded it perfectly a few years ago, and he said baseball is a companion. and That's really true. It's there so long throughout the summer. Of course, 60-game season this year for some. Not everybody's going to have 60 games. That's some news that is breaking out there if you're tuning into the show, baseball fans. There's more news today about the Cardinals. I think they've had another postponed game because of more – positive tests positive cases of coronavirus uh i don't think it was a joke somebody tweeted about well they're going to try to get in what 55 games in 49 days because that's what it's looking like for the cardinals if they want to try to get them all in and and maybe that's where uh things are all right uh let me hit the reset button here real quick if you're tuning in y'all can call me uh i'm on location today, I'm in Starkville broadcasting from Overstreet Properties, overstreetproperties.com. If you are moving to Starkville, you need a permanent place to live, you need to come here, place a condo to stay on game weekends, or maybe just lease an apartment if you have a student here. Any of that, Overstreet Properties is where you need to go. If you hang out in Starkville very long, you'll see what I mean. Everybody talks about them. It's just overstreetproperties.com. And so I'm here in Starkville today with them, And uh, but you can still call me, J. Beale pipe you through we can have a conversation so call me on the divinity phone 995-1059 that's a 601 number 995-1059 coming up in hour three at around two o'clock if everything goes smoothly we'll have neil price Hale state voice play-by-play announcer of mississippi state football and basketball uh, here in the studio the farm bureau insurance studio the mobile version of that uh, that'll be coming up and the text line as always is open y'all text me here today on this friday 885 espn 601 number 885 espn you're going to get some information at some point this afternoon from the sec it'll be confirmation of which teams are being added to other teams schedules within the sec you'll get two new sec opponents on everybody's schedule around the league i'm Told we're going to know who those two are for each of the teams this afternoon at some point. We'll see if that actually does come through, but that's what I'm told. I I didn't get the impression they're going to release the whole schedule, but we'll keep our fingers crossed on that and hope you can get it this afternoon. If not, then maybe sometime next week. But the SEC did release some news earlier today related to football. They announced what they are calling Initial Medical Protocols. Let me give you some of the info. They announced initial COVID-19 management requirements for the fall athletics season. And it's all because it's been recommended by the SEC's Return to Activity and Medical Guidance Task Force. So this task force, they've been meeting just like almost every day since going back to April. They've been talking about all this information as it comes in about the pandemic, about COVID-19 and just evaluating it day by day, which, you know, is a roller coaster. Things seem to change and some information turned out to not be good sources and, all you know, all that kind of stuff. Evaluating it every every day, pretty much the quote from Greg Sankey is the medical task force is producing an effective strategy for testing and monitoring which complements the vigilant day-to-day efforts of our campuses to establish and maintain healthy environments in which student-athletes can train and compete. Well, here are the bullet points. As far as testing goes, the league, the SEC, is going to coordinate centralized testing through a third-party provider. So consistency in the testing consistency in surveillance and pre-competition testing it's a company called pcr no i'm wrong that's a testing method called pcr i don't know how to pronounce what it stands for pcr the current standard testing method for covid19 and they're going to look at alternate testing methods as well number two In the sport of football specifically, players and others in direct contact with the program are going to have this particular PCR surveillance test at least twice a week during the season, typically six days and three days prior to competition. So if you're playing on Saturday, then every player at least will be tested the previous Sunday and the previous Wednesday. Does that make sense? So you get tested on Sunday, you get tested on Wednesday, at least twice in the week leading up to the ball game, and that's for every single player. Uh, There is more there, though. They said that the task force was recommended that they look at alternative testing methods that would allow them to do a third test during the week leading up to the ballgame. So they really want to test a lot during the week leading up to the game. They're going to do, in the SEC, other sp- stuff for other sports, in the sports of volleyball, soccer, and those in direct contact with those programs, they're going to get these surveillance tests at least twice a week during competition. One of those three days prior to the Uh, first competition of the week because they play sometimes multiple times a week. It's not like football. Now here's a big one. Masking. Okay, what about masks? One of the things that made the rounds yesterday out there in the sports world is that LSU is going to put masks on all the helmets, you know, these extra masks. And I imagine most, if not all, the SEC schools are going to do that. We just haven't heard a ton about it. But, but that's not the only thing. We're talking about masks like you and I are wearing, you know, covering their mouth. What about coaches? What about people on the sideline? Well, let's look at all that. In football, volleyball, and soccer in the SEC, all coaches, all staff, and non-competing personnel are going to be required to wear face coverings on the sideline and Physical distancing will be employed to the extent possible. Now, to the extent possible is a broad phrase. It's not specific. It doesn't say everybody's got to remain six feet apart or we're going to run you back into the locker room. They're not saying that. They're just saying to the extent possible. But what this means is non-competing personnel. So every coach on the sideline is going to be wearing some type of mask, either the, the mask or the gator thing that pulls up from around your neck. Every staff member, trainers, managers, GAs, all of them, masks. And then it says non-competing personnel. The chain gang, they're going to have on masks. Okay? Now, I'm not joking about this. I'm saying in reality. Who are most of the officials, crews, chain gangs made up of? Well, a lot of times made up of old guys, right? They need masks on, so they're going to have a mask on. Every photographer holding a camera, wearing the Farm Bureau uh, apron that lets them know they're official on the sideline with their pass. Every photographer, non-competing person on the sideline, i have to wear a mask. Everybody down there is going to have on a mask except the players. What do you think about that? What's that going to look like? One thing we've never even discussed, I don't even know how to discuss it. Once you, When you do go to stadiums that do have fans in there, what if you put 20,000 fans inside Davis-Wade Stadium? If every one of them has a mask on, is the crowd noise going to sound different?
1: <laughs> That's what I want to know.
0: <laughs> I really am curious if there will be a noticeable difference in the crowd noise because they have on masks. All right, and then there's a few other things that they put in this deal. This is the Southeastern Conference. They put this information out there today. Every school is required to designate a COVID-19 protocol oversight officer. That person is going to be responsible for education and ensuring compliance with the management requirements. So you're going to have basically a COVID-19 policeman as a part of your program, making sure everybody's doing what they're supposed to do according to the SEC. So who's that going to be? Are they hiring a new person? I don't know. Uh, The SEC announced back in July that you've got athletes who may decide not to play. Yesterday, Auburn had a linebacker opt out of playing, gave a big, long response as to why on Twitter. Okay, those people, that remains true. Like those who opt out and said, I'm not playing, their scholarships will be honored by the university. They will remain in good standing with their team. And then uh, the, the SEC, Return to Activity Medical Guidance Task Force, okay, is overseeing and is putting all of this in place league-wide so everybody has to do it. So what do you think about it? How does that land on you? I think the thing that jumps out at me is just the visual of when these games do happen, some of them are going to happen, you're going to watch it on television, and you're going to look at every head coach, every assistant coach, the ones in the booth. Now, this did say sideline, but trust me, the coaches in the booth will have them on. And, you know, one thing I don't know, man, I haven't even gotten this far, but Neil Price, who does play-by-play radio announcing for Mississippi State, he's going to be here a little later to join us. Man, are they going to have... Us separated normally. Because, look, there ain't that much room in that booth up there. (laughs) Not in ours anyway. Are they going to have a a situation where he has to be separated from me from six feet? Are they even going to have me up there? See, that's one thing I wonder. The truth about it is, I mean, they could do a radio broadcast without me. Just put Neil up there by himself. He could do it. I just I don't know any of that stuff.
1: Wouldn't be the same. I mean, you'd get the play-by-play, but... You know, you got to have that color commentator, man. Yeah. He brings more hues to the views.
0: (laughs) Are you saying that I'm essential personnel?
1: I'm saying that you are a (laughs) colorful man and you are essential (laughs) to that broadcast.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you. I'll take it as a compliment. Anthony from Tupelo on the text line says, another thing golfers aren't getting a break from is the rough not being trampled down by the spectators. Now, I did not think about that. You're talking about no fans at (laughs) the PGA Championship? Uh
1: Not to mention it's taken longer to find those balls in the rough. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Man, look at this. Caleb
0: just sent me on the country-pleasing text line a uh, picture with a message. Okay, the picture says I'm out doing some family fishing today listening in Madison and look at there. There's a picture of Caleb's dad known as the hammer. He knows who he is. Y'all know who he is. He's been on this show. Henry Hamill from Farm Bureau Insurance in Mississippi. The Hammer is out here hammering either crappie or largemouth bass or something. In fact, you know, there is a there is a brand of fishing rod called Hammer Rods. Mm-hmm. JB, have you ever heard of Hammer Rods? I have. I have. We need to get Caleb and Henry some Hammer Rods so that the hammer can fish with a hammer.
1: He's repping that Farm Bureau hat, isn't he?
0: He sure is. That's a good-looking hat right there. Yeah, I hope you all are enjoying it. Yeah, I mean, the weather's been a little more bearable. It's hot today. but A little bit warmer
1: today when I notice. But, man,
0: a beautiful day. Yeah, I hope they're catching them. I really do. I would love to go. Thanks for the picture, Caleb. And I always appreciate you listening and keeping me on track. Caleb's one of those who kind of has that Rolodex mind, stats, information, dates, and times. He's got it all right there between his ears. And if I ever screw something up, he'll let me know because he knows it doesn't bother me. (laughs) And just like, John, like you and I were talking yesterday, we need somebody to correct us uh, on the air. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of things there. Back to this SEC release, there's lots of things there to take note of. I think the things that stand out the most, football-related to me, is number one, they are going to be tested twice every week at minimum. At minimum. Every player gets tested for coronavirus twice every week. During competition, when this season begins, then leading up to the first game, they will test them on sunday prior so you pl- like let's just say after week one you play on saturday you get tested on sunday you get tested again on a wednesday and then you play on saturday and then during the ball game every single solitary person down there is going to be ha- wearing a mask around their face
1: so you, this polymerase uh, chain reaction test that they're doing the pcr i've been reading about that Evidently, that's a DNA test, and they'll have that done twice a week. That's the uh, most certain test that they can give these players on a regular basis when they're doing so many tests per week.
0: A DNA test?
1: It's part of it. It examines the DNA and finds out if the the virus is in the DNA.
0: We're not talking about, like, Jerry Springer. You are the father! (laughs) (laughs) Luke,
1: (laughs) I am your father. (laughs)
0: This is a different kind of test. No worries, boys. No worries. All right. Rolling along with you on a Friday in the Farm Bureau Studios. Back on the show. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau. Go! With the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. Local hometown heroes. In all 82 counties across the state of Mississippi, somebody you can deal with one on one, face to face, when the need arises. Get to know them personally. You wish it could be that way in everything, but it can't be. But it is that way in insurance because you have Farm Bureau insurance in the state of Mississippi. Staying connected to you here around the clock, not just while we're on the air, but I stay connected to you 24 7, uploading, tweeting, posting, Instagramming, streaming, uh, all that stuff. Uh, 24-7 because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. C Spire, customer inspired. My man over here, Brother John, has forwarded a tweet to me. John, thank you for this. I had no idea this was going on.
1: Pretty crazy. I wish I had found it first, but uh, Mr. Drive in the afternoon found it. Uh, I found that on his Twitter feed. Who, Beaver? No, uh, Mr. Jake Wim.
0: (laughs) Mr. Jake Wim. Hey, I'm going to be listening to them this afternoon, starting at 3 o'clock. Y'all, listen, an hour and a half from now, uh, Brother John is driving this bus. He's going to pull us all safely right up to the front door of the drive with Jake and Beaver because probably sometime during their show is when we're going to get the from the SEC the two opponents that are going to be added to every football team's schedule in the league. And, and I imagine they're going to get it. So y'all tune in. All right, so that's where you got – I only follow like 80 people on Twitter – So apparently nobody retweeted it to me anyway. Uh, But I appreciate, John, you doing that. From CBS 46 in Atlanta. It is a short clip, a video clip, on the campus of the University of Georgia. Georgia. That's the best I got, y'all. That is the best I've got. It's happening right now on the campus of Georgia. Students and staff hold a unique, quote, die-in in protest of the school's planned fall reopening. Folks, students and staff on the campus of Georgia, they have found a grassy knoll. They are laying, now they're social distanced, but quite a few, I mean, in this video shot, I could see there's at least 100 students and staff that have laid down on the grass Most of them on their back, others not uh, like dead people. They are holding signs made out to look like tombstones. One of the students holding a makeshift tombstone that says RIP, as in rest in peace, campus safety. Others have other signs with messages written on them. Made to look like a cemetery, except the bodies are, you know, it's just, it's it's a protest. They're laying out on the ground in the bright sunshine. Uh, Here's a sign from one student that says, Athenians, that would be if you're in Athens, you're an Athenian. Athenians dying after campus reopens is not a hypothetical. That's what one of the signs says. Uh, Anyway, that's going on right now. They're calling it a die-in. Not like a lock-in or a stand-in, but a die-in. Now, not to make light, I'm going to tell you this much, John. Yeah. I know how hot it gets in Athens, Georgia. I do, too. <laughs> in the middle of the day, in the bright sunshine. And some of these, let me tell you something right now, they, they ain't going to be out there long, no. or they will be dead.
1: But it's pretty cool you get to write your, your own headstone.
0: Yeah. If you, could write, <laughs> if you could write your own message on your own headstone right now, John, what would it say?
1: He kept trying.
0: Okay. See, so you went literal. I was thinking, trying to think of something funny.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well,
0: you know what mine would say? Tell me. See ya. <laughs> That's exactly what I have on. There. Wouldn't want to be ya. <laughs> in fact, I want them to put it, I want him to put that on my tombstone with the something that I want on my tombstone, something that my dad said about his dad, my granddad who, when uh, my granddaddy Wyatt, when he passed away, he was at his house. He had a massive heart attack and was dead before he hit the floor. And what my dad said about it was, uh, he went to heaven like a rifle shot. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yes. And number one, that's the way I want to go. I want to go to heaven like a rifle shot. Pow! And he's there. And then two, go ahead and put that on my headstone. I'd be okay with it. Yeah, they're having a die in at Georgia. Mm hmm. Okay, over here on the Country Please and text line, Country Please and sausage on grocery store shelves throughout the Southeast. It is the best. Y'all listen to me. It's available in grocery stores across the Southeast. You go in there and say Country Please, and they know what you're talking about. Get it. Number one, if you've never had it before, start with the original smoked sausage flavor. If you like something that will give you a little tingle, make your head sweat, get jalapeno and cheddar. It's not available everywhere, but if you ever get a chance, trust me, walk into Country Meat Packers at the plant, at the butcher shop there on Highway 49 in Florence and say to them, I want some maple sausage and I ain't leaving until I get it. (laughs) (laughs) because it'll be worth it, man. I'd have a stand-in for some of that, I promise you. You can put that on my headstone. He loved maple-flavored sausage from Country Pleasing. Uh, Ready Teddy. No, no, let me back up. Country Pleasing text line. Unnamed texter said, Matt, Hammer Rods is from right down the road from you, great people. Yeah, I know. Where, though? It's in this area. Ready Teddy texted me, and he said, I sell roof jobs for a living and I recently switched to Farm Bureau because of how well they have taken care of their customers after the big hailstorm in March. Hands down the best. Ready, Teddy? Again, this isn't, I'm telling you the truth. I'm not telling you an advertisement. I recently had a chance to spend some time in Jones County and Covington County and Jefferson Davis County talking to some people there from that, that suffered catastrophic damage from the largest tornado to ever come through the state of Mississippi back on uh, Easter Sunday. um, And I saw some of the damage myself. And there aren't words to describe it. Listen, Teddy, there are not words to describe a tornado that is over two miles wide. There's nothing I can say that would actually give you help you picture it. You can't close your eyes and imagine a tornado dragging across the ground two miles wide for over 60 miles, okay? And here's the thing I learned. That tornado came through there on Easter Sunday. On Monday, there were Farm Bureau agents and adjusters on the ground, meeting with um, customers, writing checks for, I'm talking total losses. Your house is $200,000. Here is a check for $200,000. I'm talking about the next day. Um, There were Farm Bureau agents having to drive to Brookhaven the next day to pick up physical checks Bring them back to their county in Covington and Jefferson Davis counties to hand them to their clients because their clients did not have mailboxes. So when you say hands down the best, you're not telling a lie. Gator Nation on the country please and text line. Matt, did you hear Cam Jordan said the Bucks are working hard to finish second place in the division? <laughs> Cam Jordan of the Saints, the team leader, he's the man. Well, I say the team leader. You know, he and Drew Brees. He says, "And you're you now, Gator Nation. You're no longer this bubbling over Pats fan. You're now a Bucks fan because of Tom Brady. Uh, and you say we, you, you forever were a Pats fan, and now you're calling the Buccaneers we. You said we love bulletin board material." When we beat you twice, Saints, don't cry like you did when the Rams outplayed you in the NFC. I bet title. Cam
1: will snap TB12 in half like a 6 minus 12.
0: <laughs> you hear that, Gator Nation? <laughs> <laughs> Come on with you, bad self. Come on with you. There's no ambiguity in that statement. Look that word up. EJ says... Silly, this is about Georgia and the die-in that is happening. EJ says, silly, college is optional for students. Our little talk. Yeah, let's do that. Um, So I had to cut him off. Uh, We had a break coming in. That was my fault. I, I, I let it go a little too long. Is Gator Man still with us, John?
1: Yes, sir, he is.
2: All
0: right, Gator Man. Sorry about that. Appreciate you hanging on as long as you did. Let's get back into it. So, you were explaining. Yeah, to me- it's
2: all good, man. I was just talking about uh, the uh, uh, evolution of uh, being a fan. It happened like, uh, I guess, when Michael Jordan came up, you had what was called a super fan. Okay. Uh-huh. That's where you not only just a fan of the team, because, you know, when I first started watching sports, like, my dad was a Celtics fan, and I was, a, uh, because I like to cheer against him, because we would always watch sports together, I was a Lakers fan. He liked Bird. I like Magic. Well, when Michael Jordan came along, he was so dynamic and so good that he had fans from other teams that were fans of him and not necessarily the Bulls. I was one of them. I became totally Michael Jordan, you know, in the late 80s, okay, and we really hadn't had an athlete like that, that, that was around during my generation that had done something like that. I'm sure Babe Ruth did. There was a lot of people that were fans of Babe Ruth, even though, you know, he was, uh, so long ago, but they generally stayed on one team. But now since the evolution of Reggie White and free agency and a lot of sports, guys go get that big payday. Well, Tom Brady hadn't done that. He stayed mm-hmm. the same place the whole time. He yeah. had all these Pats fans, but they were really Tom Brady fans. Yeah. So when he left and went to the the Pats, I mean the Bucks, people kept their love of Tom Brady, super fandom of Brady, and just switched over to the Bucks. Um, Michael Jordan didn't do that, but you know you have all these fans of super fan Lebron fans now. They have to switch teams just about every other year, you know, because he's you know, jumps on the bandwagon of different teams. Once he ruins one, he goes to the other one. But that's why he likes the Bucks now is because he's a Tom Brady super fan.
0: Yeah. Well, and it does make a lot of sense. And, I, and I'll say this, uh, and Gator Man, I do appreciate you hanging on. Uh, the NFC South is the most interesting division in football. It used to, like year in and year out, just annually, was always the NFC East. Cowboys, Giants, Eagles, Redskins. Now it's not going to be Redskins anymore. And it's always interesting. It's always going to be interesting because of Jerry Jones, because of Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, you know, because of the recent Super Bowl in Philadelphia and Carson Wentz and that whole dynamic and a new coach with the Giants and the big market New York. And I mean, we get all that, but the NFC South is hands down to me far and away the most interesting division because primarily because of Tom Brady now is into the division. But, you know, he's pairing up with Arians, and now Gronk is with him in Tampa. And, yes, they're in the same division as Drew Brees and the Saints, and can they get it done one more time before Drew Drew is out of there? And, oh, by the way, the the guy who led the Saints to six wins last year is now the starting quarterback in Carolina, Teddy Bridgewater, replacing Cam Newton. And in Atlanta, they add Todd Gurley, you know, the former Georgia Bulldog who – Um, went to a Super Bowl with uh, the Rams. And so I just think it's the most interesting division. Hey, I appreciate your call, Gator Man. I hope you have a great weekend.
1: Matt White, let me ask you a question, brother. What's up? Is Tom Brady being paired with Bruce Aarons the best quarterback coach he's had since he's been in the league?
0: Yeah, QB coach. Well, I'm trying to – I mean, he's played for – a he played for Charlie Weiss. He played for McDaniels. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and the thing about it is, like, we can say what we want, but McDaniels won a playoff game in Denver with Tim Tebow, drafted Tim Tebow, though. He did, didn't he? You know, there in Denver. I think you're right, yeah. I, I think, think
1: Aaron's is probably one of the best QB coaches in the league, and I just yeah. just watch what he did with well, Jameis Winston for one season. Right. You know. Well, he
0: threw a lot of picks, but, boy, he threw a lot of for a lot of yards and touchdowns, too. Yeah, he did. Um, and it didn't take him long to decide he wanted somebody else in there other than Jameis Winston. Also, let's just <laughs> say it like it is. <laughs> uh, Ghost Pepper on the country pleasing text line says that on his headstone he wants the words. That could have gone smoother. <laughs> that ain't bad. Gator Nation responded and he said, Matt, let me set the record straight. I'm 42. I've been a Lakers fan for 39 years, a Cub fan for 35 years, a Gator for 30 years. As far as the patrons, I don't do this. What did he say? Be- no, he didn't say Bella Check. He says, Bella crap divided this family. Gator man responded also on the country pleasing and text line. I 100% agree, JB. The only one I could probably say that might be better or on par would be Sean Payton.
1: Well, I could, I could go with that,
0: that. Well, and everybody would agree with it. It's the truth. He's got a great point, and it's just another reason why the NFC South is the most interesting division in football.
1: Speaking Sean of, Payton, speak, Bruce Arians. Speaking of headstones, did you see Caleb's text on the country-pleasing text line?
0: Oh, that, yeah, that's the one he wanted to, uh, that's hilarious. I got it wrong a while ago, Caleb. <laughs> I totally wrote, read it wrong. It says, don't tell a joke. I'll blow a gas. I said, blow a gasket. He says <laughs> his is going to be, don't tell a joke. I'll blow a casket. <laughs> that is great. That's hey, good. Caleb, do you know why John is laughing so hard at that? It's because John is the king of puns. He, okay. He's the man, like, If you listen long enough, well, you don't have to listen long. You're going to get a good pun. And and he loves them. So you you rung the bell. Gator Man said, plus you got Joe Brady, the guru for Joe Burrow, going to be the quarterback's coach in Carolina. Yes, for Matt Rule, the new first-year head coach in Carolina, who they paid an unbelievable amount of money just to hop, skip, and jump from Baylor right on up there. And he's a good coach, but, I mean, man. They really wanted him. You're right. You got Brady in Carolina now. And and after saying all of this, watch Atlanta pop up and win the division this year. <laughs> you know, would it totally surprise you? I don't know that it would. So it's it's really interesting. And I can't wait until we get to watch them play. I hope we do. I hope it hangs in there and we're able to get to watch them play. Um, You know, they're practicing. The FCS playoffs, by the way, are off. It ain't happening. Did y'all know that? FCS Football Championship Subdivision Playoffs will not be held this fall, even if some schools play a regular season. The lower half of a division one college football of Division One College Football has fallen short of the NCAA's recent mandate that playoffs would require 50% of eligible teams participate in the regular season. That So in other words, eight of the 13 FCS conferences aren't playing football this fall. CAA, Ivy League, the MEAC, the Northeast, the Patriot League, SWAC, they've all made their announcements last month. So they're below 50%, which means now according to the NCAA, even if some FCS teams get together and have a season this year and play, they don't have enough of their division to have playoffs. They will not have FCS playoffs this year. Here's another interesting story. You're going to see a lot of this, and and with a few minutes left here in Hour 2, just a reminder, Hour 3 coming up Um at 2, Hour 3 of the show is uh, presented by Overstreet Properties in Starkville. I'm in Starkville today, and we're going to have uh, Neil Price, Hale State Voice, play-by-play announcer, joining us here in Hour 3. That's just a reminder. Here's a story that I think is going to happen more often. So in California, the California Interscholastic Federation made the decision to push back its sports calendar because of the coronavirus, which means football will not begin until December at the earliest. Well, there is a five-star quarterback, five-star quarterback, Jake Garcia, in La Habra. It's either La Habra with a silent H or it's La Habra, one or the other. La Habra High School, five-star quarterback, Jake Garcia. He transferred to La Habra in January with the plan to play his final high school season for Coach Frank Mazzotto, and then he's going to USC to be a Trojan as an early enrollee in December. So now he's not going to play this year in California because of the pushback of the season by the California Interscholastic Federation. So, news came this week that Jake Garcia, five-star quarterback, is transferring from La Habra High School in California to Valdosta, Georgia High. He's going across the country because he wants to play his final season of high school football before going to college. The coach is out there. I read an article, the coach in California, by the way, going, you ought to see this guy in practice. (laughs) He is unbelievable. The number four pro-style quarterback in the country, according to 24-7 Sports. He'll suit up now for Valdosta High School in Georgia. Who... Didn't Valdosta High School just hire Rush Probst as its new head coach?
1: Former coach at uh, Hoover High. Uh Uh-huh. That's him. That's him. wonder if the Georgia
0: Bulldogs might try to sneak on in there on USC while he's in Valdosta. What do you think?
1: Wouldn't surprise me nearing the least.
0: (laughs) Not not in the least. Me as well. All right, that's it for Hour 2. Hour 3 coming up in the Farm Bureau studio. We'll stream it on Facebook. Stick around.